Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Stu does America. I do this show on Blaze TV. It's blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew and you will save 10 bucks off your subscription. We encourage you to join. It's very important to support uh, conservative media. So everyone's got a place they can go and speak their mind. And now if you're watching on YouTube, you know well, conservatives often get canceled there. But we do uh, appreciate you checking it out anyway. And we'll just keep blabbing until it happens. Uh, just subscribe to the channel and, of course, uh, click the bell. Do all the things. We appreciate it. Like this video right now. Sarah Gonzalez is here to talk about the latest in the left's drag obsession. The classified documents scandal continues to get even more ridiculous. But we start by doing the gender deception. And I'm going to ask you today to do a little mental exercise with me. Go down a road you're not going to be comfortable with. Okay, I'm not going to ask you to transition to another gender. Don't worry about that. What I am going to ask you to do is to try to see the New York Times in a slightly different light than you normally do. And I had to do this myself going through this story. Um, I will admit to you, I started reading this story basically just to hate read it because, and this happens often, I read the New York Times, I read the Washington Post, I read Politico, I read all the mainstream and slightly left-wing, some of it I can't take, but as much as I can, I read that stuff so you don't have to. I want you to know what's in there and we can report about it. We can discuss it. We can talk about where they're right and where they're wrong. Sometimes, occasionally, every you know, once, once per century or so, they're right and then all the other times that they're wrong. So I started reading this just thinking of all the fun clips I was going to be able to pull out of it to tell you about it and tell you how ridiculous it was. The story's called When Students Change Gender Identity and Parents Don't Know. Now, <laughs> I mean, with a title like that, could there possibly be anything good in it? Hmm. Well, what's interesting about it, and, and I want you to think about it this way as we go through this article. The New York Times seems to me to be talking to liberals here and not just doing the typical thing that they do, which is to say, hey, conservatives are really mean and liberals are really nice and conservatives uh, don't like transgender people because they're hateful and liberals love them because they're good people and right-wingers are bad people and left-wingers are good people. It's not really what they're doing here. It's kind of surprising. Now, of course, the New York Times can make choices with their selection bias to present this however they want, right? Like they could go to uh, a bar somewhere, find some drunk person in an American flag t-shirt and uh, have them blurt out some terrible thing and put it in the paper and make them look terrible uh, if they happen to be conservative. And they can go find the most refined, thoughtful person on the left and make them look wonderful. That's how they do this often. They frame these stories in a way that leads the audience to the correct conclusion. We know they do that. So keep that in mind here as, as I give you this story. Now, this is how the story Starts. Let me give you an extended excerpt here to give you the flavor. Uh, Jessica Bradshaw found out that her 15-year-old identified as transgender at school after she glimpsed at a homework assignment with an unfamiliar name scrawled at the top. 
When she asked about the name, the teenager acknowledged that at his request, teachers and administrators at his high school in Southern California had for six months been letting him use the boy's bathroom and calling him by male pronouns. Now, first of all, can you imagine this as a parent? Can you imagine finding out, checking your kid's homework at 15 years old, that they're signing it with a different name, a a boy's name, even though your daughter is a girl. And the school has been not only indulging, but encouraging and allowing this to go on while hiding it from you for six months. How many of you just pictured lighting the school on fire? I'm just asking you. There has to be a bunch of people in the audience who are like, I would, I would, uh, I'd be like Milton, an office space. I would just, uh, just, I would light the entire place on fire because they took my stapler. That's how that would go down. This is worse than a stapler, guys. This is, um, can you imagine going through this? Secondarily, I will give you this. The New York Times, throughout this paragraph, you'll notice, says at his high school, um, you, letting him use the boys, the boys' bathroom and calling him by male pronouns. Now, it's not a him. It's a girl. That's, uh, it's a 15-year-old girl who has decided for whatever reason that she wants to be thought of as a boy. But she's not a boy, therefore should not be in the boys' bathroom. And it's not only the parent of this particular girl who wants to be a boy in school. Who should be offended by this? If you have your kid, particularly your boy in this school, your boy is now sharing a bathroom with a girl and you did not know at all. So it's not just this parent or these parents who were affected by this. It's also every other parent in the school. No notification given to the parents. The story story goes on. There's never any word from anyone to let us know that on paper and in the classroom, our daughter was our son, Mrs. Bradshaw said. Mrs. Bradshaw was confused. Didn't the school need her permission or at least need to tell her? It did not, the counselor later explained, because the student did not want his parents to know. District and state policies instructed the school to respect his wishes. Unbelievable. Given those complexities, Mrs. Bradshaw said she resented the fact that the school who had made her feel like a bad parent for wondering whether educators had put her teenager, a minor, on a path the school wasn't qualified to oversee. It felt like a parenting stab in the back from the school system. It should have been a decision that we made as a family. Now, why I think this is a fascinating story is not just because of what happened here and how infuriated you would be uh, and go downright, you know, Milton uh, on your school system if this one went down. It's also to, to think of the framing here from The New York Times. This is a parent who is thinking of this and is disturbed by it. She sounds rational. She doesn't sound like a hate monger. She doesn't sound like a crazy Trump supporter, election denier. She doesn't sound like any of that. They're making her sound reasonable to their audience. It's fascinating. It's really interesting to see their framing here. And listen to where the story goes after this. The Bradshaws accepted their teenager's new gender identity but not without trepidation, especially after he asked for hormones and surgery to remove his breasts. Doctors had previously diagnosed him as being on the autism spectrum, as well as the attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, PTSD, and anxiety, all of these things. He had struggled with loneliness during the pandemic and, to his parents, seemed not to know exactly who he was yet because he had repeatedly changed his name and sexual orientation. Okay, so you have a highly troubled child, girl, you have a girl who has having all sorts of problems going through her teenage years. This is not 
uh, out of the norm. A lot of this happens to lots of teenage girls. In particular, you see here, it's someone with really kind of seemingly severe and uh, intersectional uh, health, mental health issues. It's not just autism. It's also PTSD. It's also depression. It's also changing the sexual orientation. It's someone searching, quite obviously. And at no point do they encourage any of the other problems that she's having. I think if you look back, uh, you know, at history, when, you know, when I, was, when I was in high school, there were girls who had, you know, problems with mental health, and that often exposed itself through something like anorexia or, you know, cutting or one of those types of things. And I'm curious if this is happening with you, uh, if you remember this from when you were in high school. What doctors think now is that same type of thing is just exposing itself in this gender dysphoria. This idea that maybe I'm not comfortable in my body. I'm someone else. I, I need to be accepted by a whole nother group. This is uh, a real problem. And the fact is, back then, and I don't know, the, the mid-90s, they weren't like, hey, uh, you know what? You're right. You know what? You are saying this. We believe you. You are too fat. Yes, you should stop eating. Yes, you should start putting your fingers down your throat and throwing up. We never said that. Doctors didn't come together and say, yes, we encourage your delusion. This is a massive, massive problem that's happening right now. And, and this Bradshaw family, who the story is, uh, the beginning of the story is about, is a liberal family who winds up actually accepting the gender transition, seemingly accepting surgery and hormones and everything else we're told doesn't happen to minors. Seemingly all that stuff went down, as they talk about in this story. And this liberal family who actually went along with all of this, still was unable to actually know about it, and the school was in their legal right not to tell them. In fact, the school was even able to embrace all of this craziness and encourage it at school, knowing they were hiding this from the parents. This is crazy. And why I think it's fascinating, it's fascinating that the New York Times actually told the story, because this would be the type of story you'd hear from, I don't know, the blaze, right? That's the story that you should hear from the blaze. Instead, you're hearing it from the New York Times. Why? Again, remember selection bias here. It's so vital to what the media does to our landscape. Constantly they do this. You know, back in the Tea Party era, every person featured at a tea party who had the crazy, you know, tri-corner hat and they had some, uh, you know, some, you know, some wild uh, colonial garb on. And then every, you know, left wing protester, they don't show the prototypical, stereotypical left wing protesters. They don't have 95,000 piercings. They're not all tatted up. They're calm and they're rational. They're making sensible arguments just that they want common sense gun control. They're not crazy. You don't see the people carrying the communist flags around those rallies get interviewed. It just doesn't happen. It's selection bias. Well, the selection bias here for The New York Times is fascinating because they pick a family who is liberal, who is also really uncomfortable with this. Let me give you a little bit more. As they group, they go through um, a bunch of other uh, cases here and they talk to parent after parent after parent. Here's some of the things they find. Other self-described liberal parents said that they registered as independents or voted for Republican candidates for the first time as a result of this issue. Although they haven't sued, some have retained lawyers affiliated with the largest legal organization on the religious right to battle their children's schools. Again, why is the New York Times picking sympathetic people to their viewership here? I think they give it away in this particular quote. Other self-described liberal parents say they registered as independents or voted for Republican candidates for the first time as a result of this issue. They're seeing that this 
craziness is going too far even for their own voters. This is, in a way, a warning shot from the, the New York Times saying, look, we're with you on almost all this liberal nut, nut jobbery. However, we're going to start losing elections. We're going to start losing the people who are our supporters because you're ruining their children's lives. And, you know, politics is powerful. But when you're talking about your own children's lives being destroyed over crazy, woke nonsense, most parents, even liberal ones, will draw the line there. Your kid, whatever. But their kid, they're going to do something about that. They're going to want to stand up. And a lot of times we're finding that they're standing up on the sides of conservatives and moderates and other liberals who are saying, wait a minute, this is nuts. I mean, look, gender transition for adults is one thing. Gender transition for kids is another. Gender transition in a school without the parents even being informed that it's going on and the indulging of this this stuff without anyone even knowing about it, a, a parent who can do something about it, who can at least try to understand what's going on in their kids' lives, that's a step too far even for many on the far left. And this article is written as a warning to liberals to avoid this. Let me give you more. In November, Erica Anderson, a well-known clinical psychologist who has counseled hundreds of children over gender identity-related issues and is transgender, transgender herself, filed an amicus, amicus brief in a Maryland lawsuit in support of parents represented by a conservative law group. The parents have argued that their district's, district policy violates their own decision-making authority. Fascinating. She told the Times that she had to push aside her qualms about working with conservative lawyers. Quote, I don't want to be erased as a transgender person, and I don't want anyone's prerogatives or identity to be taken away from them. But on this one, I'm aligned with parents who are willing to advocate, excuse, parent, people who are willing to advocate for parents. Why would the New York Times choose to find a transgender person who's coming out and saying, this is crazy what they're doing to kids in schools? Why would they do that? Again, they could find plenty of people who are going to say it's perfectly wonderful, They could have interviewed all of them, and they have interviewed them before in the past. But I'm wondering if we're hitting a breaking point on this issue, where people even on the left are saying, this is so far. You've lost the plot here. I understand we're going to indulge a lot of craziness. We're liberals. I get that. But, like, we're not going to destroy our children over this, are we? Are we really going to do this? So many on the left, the answer to that is yes. But I think there's a moment of reality, a moment of awakening that's going on right now, where people on the moderate side... The slightly liberal side are saying, hold on, we can't do this anymore. Sitting in a circle in a member's living room, 12 mothers and one father spoke about the ways they said they had been sidelined by their children's schools. Most said they identified as liberal. This is incredibly important that they're framing it this way. And that the living room was a rare safe space for them to voice their fears. Some parents didn't think their, children, their teenagers were really transgender. Others thought it was too soon to know for certain. Most said their children had mental health conditions such as bipolar disorder or autism. This was another thing that went through this piece like crazy. Identifying, specifically calling out over and over again the fact that many of these children who are going through these gender dysphoria issues have associated or other mental illness problems. People, they're dealing with other major things in their lives. They don't know how to deal with that. They can't get past it on their own. And they find refuge 
in groups that are looking at them with open arms saying, hey, you're actually one of us. Did you know that? Uh, They go on TikTok and somehow the Chinese government has found ways to serve to them the exact series of videos they need to believe they are the opposite gender. I that doesn't seem like a coincidence to me. Maybe your kids shouldn't be on TikTok at all. Just throwing that out there. I'm not your parent. I'm my kids' parents. I can tell you they're not on it. But, you know, you got to make your own decisions. Uh, But I will say, when you have someone like the Chinese government in control of a company that is serving your kids' algorithmic videos, and they just happen to continually cause damage to our society, you have to wonder why. And maybe ask the question, is this the right path for us to be going down? This group of liberal parents, uh, more quotes on that. The other, as other parents nodded in agreement, the lone father in the room said, it's politically weird to be a very liberal Democrat and find yourself shoved in a bed with, like, the governor of Texas. Am I supposed to listen to Tucker Carlson uh, on this one? Yeah, you probably should. You probably should go visit with Greg Abbott and talk to him a little bit about this because sometimes the really obvious thing that you've known your entire life and every other person and every other generation has known their entire life, sometimes that thing is just true. It's real. It's actually fact. This is the problem that we're looking at right now. And the left is trying so hard to move into these institutions and change not only the right and the middle, but also the left. We had a guest on uh, this morning on, on, on the radio show, and you should go back and listen to it because it was a really fascinating interview. But he's talking about how the left is con- doing this thing where, they're, where they're do- they, he called it language contamination. I thought it was an interesting uh, concept because if you can take the language and you can contaminate it so that things that used to mean one thing now mean something else, like gender used to mean boy or girl, and now it sort of means how you feel inside. Well, why does it mean that? It's never meant that before, but now it does. He talked about how you don't have to go and change the laws if you just redefine what the words mean. We're seeing this in the gun debate right now. You know, if you have a a certain type of gun, you don't like that type of gun, instead of passing a new law to ban that type of gun, you just go into the register and you just redefine the word to include that type of gun. The same thing is happening here. We're seeing these words and these, you know, affirming is a great example of it. How does gender affirming mean saying, yes, you are the opposite of what you are? If you're a boy and you want to transition to a girl, but you're actually a boy. Us coming in and saying, hey, you're a girl is what the left likes to call gender affirming treatment. Yes, you are a girl. You're right. The thing that that little thing hanging between your legs, not real. Don't worry about it. We'll get that snipped off as soon as we can. But you are a girl. On the other side. Going to that person and saying, actually, you were born a boy. I know you think you're a girl, but that's probably some other issue. You're actually a boy. That's actually affirming their gender. That is actually coming to them and saying, this is what you are. Convincing them they're the opposite thing, the thing they aren't, is not affirming. It's the opposite of affirming. It's destruction. It's convincing vulnerable children and teenagers going through some of the most difficult years of their lives that if you just listen to woke ideology and get a couple snips here and there, your life will be so much better. And then they get to the end of that road and they realize it's not. So many realize that actually what it is, is hell. They made a terrible decision in a moment of weakness when they had no life experience to make it. 
And everyone around them, the people they were supposed to trust, the doctors, the teachers, their parents in many cases, they cheered it on. This is going to end really badly. But I do think we are starting to get to the end of this crest where we're, this wave is breaking. And eventually we're going to see the opposite side be empowered. The lawsuits are important. The education is important. Speaking honestly, calling it out is really important. And one person who's really in the middle of doing that every day is Sarah Gonzalez. She's going to be joining us here in just a moment. Imagine your pet suffering because of a poor diet and being unable to tell you about it. I mean, the barks, I just can't, I can't translate your barks. I'm sorry. I know you want to avoid that because you want to take care of your dog. You love your dog. That's why I want to tell you about longevity formula from Paw Made. I have three dogs that kind of span the entire life. The entire lifespan of a dog is represented in my house. We have a one-year-old, a seven or eight-year-old, and also a 17-year-old, I think, Miles is. President Miles, 17, 18 years old, something like that. I don't know. They, they, you need tree rings to figure out how old this dog is. The bottom line is... Longevity formula, really good for him because it boosts nutrient intake, it protects against toxins, it guards against premature aging, and that's because the good stuff is in there, right? You you have other toxins like pesticides and mold and air pollution. They can harm your dog's health, but Longevity formula contains special toxin-fighting nutrients to protect your dog so they can live a happy life. You just want to do the best thing for your dog, that's all. That's all you want to do. I just want to do the best thing for your dog. I know we don't understand how dogs work. I don't. I'm not a vet. But I just want to do the best thing I can. And right now, there's a limited time offer exclusively for listeners of this program. For every purchase of Longevity Formula, you'll receive a free bottle of Paw Maid's Hip and Joint Formula as well. To claim your offer, go to pawmade.com slash stew, pawmade.com slash stew, P-A-W-M-A-D-E dot com slash stew, or call them toll-free, 833-PAW-MADE. It's P-A-W-M-A-D-E dot com slash stew, or call 833-PAW-MADE. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I want to bring in Sarah Gonzalez, host of The News and Why It Matters right here on Blaze TV. Sarah, how's it going? It's going well. I did you throw me off every time you guys have that picture. We all look like babies. <laughs> what year was that from? Golly, I don't even probably 4 years ago. Is it really gosh? I think so. And I mean with COVID happening, I feel like that's aged everyone by approximately like 84 years. It does feel like weird. So. I I you know, it's funny um I I now really find myself marking things by that, by mm-hmm. like yeah. pre-COVID, post-COVID. Yes. Like, I, I, it's just a totally different, it's changed, it changed everything. And your perception like. of time, I feel like, has yeah. changed completely. Yeah, I always remember like, you know, we went to uh, Disneyland, look right before COVID started with the kids. Mm-hmm. And it's like that, every time I, that comes up in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, that was, that's pre-COVID. So like, I, I make everything, right. it's like a BC, AD type of situation <laughs> at this point, which is very, very weird. Um, and I guess like, the uh, the AD period in this particular um, point is very weird. It's mm-hmm. a very strange world we're living in. I hate it. We did a radio show this morning, and you know we just covered a bunch of normal topics that you cover on the news every day. And this happens on your show all the time. Where like I think if you take that show 
and you p- move it back to 1999, mm-hmm. 2005, it would be completely bonkers. <laughs> like, no one would believe you. No one would believe you're talking about how schools are allowing kids to transition to completely new identities and letting them go to different bathrooms and not telling the parents about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did we get here? I mean, gosh, how much time do you have? <laughs> uh, I would say as far as the, this particular story, right, with mm-hmm. the, the, the schools, I mean, how long did conservatives sit on the sidelines and say, I, look, I want to live and let live. I want to mind my own business. I, I'll, I'll tend to my family. I want the government to stay out of my, my life and my business, and I'm just going to mind my Business and stay in my lane, right? Yeah, right, right, right. Well, that's not what the left was doing. So Mm -hmm. we were both playing by different sets of rules because the left was saying, we're going to infiltrate the education system. We're going to infiltrate the medical community. We're going to infiltrate all, we're going to infiltrate the school boards. We're going to infiltrate the city council. We are going to change the culture by participating and getting active in these, you know, localized communities. And they did. And we didn't even think about it. And so Mm. obviously this is the result of that. You have teachers uh, teaching kindergartners about, you know, sexuality and gender identities. You have them allowing uh, males in female bathrooms, even though the females are speaking up and saying, this makes me uncomfortable. Can you please get the boy out of my bathroom? Somehow Mm. those women don't matter. Um, You know, you have all of these things happening in schools. The schools aren't telling uh, the parents, which oftentimes can lead to devastating mental health results, which as a common sense sane parent, you understand the potential ramifications of having the school transition your child and as a parent, you not knowing anything about that and the student getting two conflicting messages, right? Like, you understand that as a reasonable person. Yeah. The left does not. And so we've sat back and watched the left infiltrate our society, infiltrate these particular communities where now they're just running the show. They're educating everyone's children and they're medicating everyone's children. Yeah, and I wonder if... If they've pushed so far that they're losing even their own side on some of this stuff. Uh, you know, part of the thing that was interesting about that particular New York Times article was was the way it was presented. We know how the Times does business. Mm-hmm. They, If they want to say Donald Trump is bad, they go out and find the dumbest Donald Trump supporter they can find. And they show how dumb their supporters are. If they want to say, uh, you know, Joe Biden is good, they find the most well-spoken Joe Biden supporter. What was interesting about this article, it was talking about this this phenomenon where they're letting kids transition in schools. But the people they found were largely liberal parents saying, gosh, you know, I'm normally with this stuff and I and I respect everyone's rights and I want every all the liberal uh, platitudes. However, it's my child and it's just crushing me. I, how am I not? I'm not even saying I would have stopped them, right. but I needed to know about it. The fact that the Times is taking that tact, I think I find really interesting. Is, is there some sort of, are we on the precipice of some sort of change? 100% we are. Absolutely. When it comes to, I think, so there are two uh, moving parts to this. I think number one is, of course, the parental rights movement, which, again, COVID was horrible, awful, wish it didn't happen. But if we're looking at silver linings, mm-hmm. one of the silver linings of COVID was that parents were listening to the Zoom calls of these classes that were being taught. And they yeah. Hold on a second. You're teaching my child what? (laughs) Right. So that's a silver lining to me. Sure. And so this activated something in parents to go, okay, what else are you teaching my children? Um, But there's also because, again, you could err too far on the side of parental rights and say, well, you know, we you should have the right to take your child to basically a strip show as long as it's a man dressed up as a woman and we're calling it a drag brunch. Mm. And so I think that there are two moving parts that are equally important because 
parental rights is very, very important, but protecting the innocence of children and not sexualizing them is also very important. And both of these components really have awakened, I think, parents in America. Um, and I really, really don't think that it's going to, to go on for too much longer before the pendulum is going to swing back. And we need that, yeah. I think, really clearly. Um, let me go back to what you said about uh, infiltrating um, the medical community. I think this is, I think wearing a prosecute Fauci t-shirt. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> yeah. Realwomensclub.com. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I think is, is fascinating about this, and I think it's related to what you're talking about, um, where I think conservatives... There is some part of it that is just like, all right, well, we want to live and let live and we kind of want. And I think that's what we want. Right. Like, mm -hmm. I would love right. that to just be the case. We right. never had to get involved in this stuff. I would love to just talk about tax policy mm -hmm. every day. I mean, uh, that would be fantastic. That sounds horrible. I'm a nerd, though. You know, I have to understand. <laughs> sure. um, but like, I think like there is a, a part of this that is we as conservatives reject the the elite institutions mm -hmm. like we don't go we don't we say look we don't need to I don't want to be a gender studies professor <laughs> right like I have no interest of being a gender studies professor that doesn't add anything to the world right. we want to be productive in the world so we all eschew those jobs we don't we don't go after those jobs then the left gets all of the gender studies jobs mm -hmm. and when there's a question about gender the press blindly goes, oh, well, we just got a gender studies professor over here. And they're all liberal. There's no choice, right? I was listening to a, uh, I think it was on, maybe Megyn Kelly was interviewing a, a doctor who was talking about the, the gender stuff and saying that, like, you know, he went in there and gave all these great arguments and studies and everything else. And the, 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 the judge just said, well, yeah, but, like, here's the actual guidance from the Pediatric Society of America or whatever. Oh, I can't believe you over them. And, like, I kind of felt a little bit, a, a tad, a little tiny bit of sympathy for the judge who's trying to judge yeah. something she's not an expert in and sees the establishment telling them this is the way to go, therefore do it. Is there an argument that we as conservatives not only have to be involved in our communities, but also start working to infiltrate these same things, infiltrate these high level, elite, nerdy, loser jobs. Mm -hmm. So there's some presence there. Well, I mean, I got to tell you, you really sold that idea by telling everyone how horrible the job would be. Right. Oh, it's going to be miserable. You're miserable your whole life, but you're doing something for me and Sarah. And that's the important thing. I mean, I, I, I would hope that there's a way that we can kind of blow up the entire thing without having to reach that point. Mm. Right. Because. Again, you're talking about bringing a, a gender study expert on. It's like, why? 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 To, to, right? So we that's know. what I'm saying. We already know. These are basic bio biological facts that we already know. And so I think that the more that we can shine a light on the fact that these studies, these degrees, these, the, none of these even need to exist, <laughs> I think would be the better alternative, right? It's yes. just like, I don't need a gender studies expert on CNN to tell me that if you are a male, you will have a penis, and if you are a female, you will have a vagina, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't need... <laughs> no. They were very clear in Kindergarten Cop when they said that. <laughs> right. And even the kindergartners understood it. <laughs> right. So it's like, I think that more of just shining a light on how ridiculous these, these degrees are, um, I would hope would help us just blow the entire thing up. And remember, these people are not making, oftentimes, they're not making that much money doing it either. Right. I think it's a lot of credentialism, right? It's yes. just this idea that, like, when you get to a what somehow becomes a confusing topic, which this should not be one of them, but right. just when it comes to that, that you're like, oh, I don't know, who's smart on this? Oh, this person from Harvard. Right. And you look at, we're going to do a monologue on this in the coming weeks. They did a study of incoming students into Harvard, Yale, 
Princeton, all these people who we all know are going to wind up heading institutions, going into big government jobs, Mm -hmm. going into the heads of medical associations, all these things. And they polled them on these questions that doesn't look like America. Mm. It's 80-20 in America, people saying, okay, this gender stuff's crazy. It's the opposite of the people who are going to be the elites of the next generation. And I don't know how we solve that, because we have to. I would argue that I think that this is also happening at a time where we're also at a precipice as far as higher education, right? Mm. Like, I don't know that, A, people are even want to go to these, uh, you know, elite schools at this point because they see the type of garbage that that it's creating. But also, they're not going to be able to afford it. So something is going to have to change because, yeah, they might be at this cush job at Harvard trying to teach other people, you know, all of these gender ideologies. But if no one can afford to go there, they're not, there's no one that they can educate. So I do think that, I mean, it's going to be fascinating. You have young kids. I have young kids. I'm constantly looking at it like, I'm not even sure that college is going to look the same way yeah. when my older son graduates from high school. So my hope is that there, it's, the college system is going to implode already. Mm. And once it does implode, we can figure out how to, how to take that back. I can tell you how it's going to look to my kids. It's expensive because I am paying for it. I, I mean, I unless I can find the perfect... And there are some schools that are developing that are interesting and maybe yeah. I would consider sending my kids to them. But man, I, I, I'm not going to spend a hundred thousand no. dollars to make my kid awful. Right. I'm just not going to do it. Right. You're you are literally paying uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to indoctrinate your children into an ideology that a will make them less mentally stable, and b obviously you didn't raise them to agree with. Hmm. Um, let me take you back to uh, like high school days for a second. Picture back in high school, there were kids that were emotionally disturbed, mm-hmm. right? And they had problems, and they would act out. And I feel like back in the day, like when I was in high school, I feel like people, they were, the acting out from especially like teenage girls was uh, anorexia or, right. um, uh, you know, cutting or mm-hmm. things like that. They're scary, scary things. Yeah. Um, do you, what do you make of the argument where people are saying that this, the, the gender stuff we're seeing today is essentially that same trend? The same kids that would have been disturbed and expressed themselves with anorexia or cutting or, you know, one of those types of things. Um, now are seeing this as kind of the thing to do to make them feel something. They're acting out the same way. And the difference is our establishment is encouraging it now. Like We were never encouraging anorexia. We were never saying, oh, you should cut more. It'll make you happy. We are saying you should transition. It'll make you happy. Is there validity to that? Absolutely. I mean, this is the only delusion that doctors are now treating by affirming the delusion rather than teaching Mm. the person that it's just a delusion, right? It's absolutely dangerous. I would also say that it's not just the people who are maybe more mentally disturbed, but it's also the, the just the awkward high schooler who feels a little isolated. Maybe they're a little shy. They don't really know how to relate to people. You also see a huge rate of autistic people now who are identifying as trans, non-binary, all Mm -hmm. of these things. I mean, these are people who don't feel like they belong anywhere else. And there is a community who is welcoming them with open arms, oftentimes pushing them, giving them a gentle or sometimes not so gentle push in that direction. And they're they're latching onto it. And who can blame them? They're vulnerable, impressionable, impressionable high school students. 
Of course they would do that. Yeah. But I mean, it's sinister. It is. And uh, it's amazing how much the establishment is pr approving this and mm -hmm. encouraging it. It's really scary. I know you're doing work on this, uh, trying to stop yeah. it. Can you get? Can you tell people how to get involved in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, so we are, uh, we have launched an initiative called Defend Our Kids Texas. For those of you who have not heard it, um, we are exposing not only the drag queen shows happening all across uh, the state, but also just the sexualization of children in general, whether it be pornographic literature in schools. I mean, they are attacking our children from all different facets of society. So um, you can uh, join us in the fight. Uh, we will email you where these events are, are taking place and how you can help. Uh, you can do that by going to defendkidstx.com. And by the way, Sue, we were just speaking earlier today, actually, about which states we are going to uh, expand to next. Oh, nice. So, so even if you're not Texas in Texas, effort, right, yeah. even if you're not in Texas, please, 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 I'm telling everyone, sign up anyway because you will find out whenever we move to your state. Okay, make sure to check that out. Uh, it's really important. Sarah Gonzalez, of course, host of Blaze TV's The News and Why It Matters, including photos of us from 1997. Uh, there they are, <laughs> right there. Sarah, thanks so much for coming on the program. Yeah, thank you, Stu. on the documents. Um, you have said, though, from this podium many, many times over the last two weeks that this president takes the handling of classified material very seriously. And yet we continue to learn about more documents being found and discovered at his home, including now some that go back decades to his time in the Senate. Uh -oh. So why should the American people believe that this president takes classified material seriously and the handling of it? Look, the president, the American people heard from the president directly on this when he was asked by your colleagues mm -hmm. at least right. twice now oh, twice. about um, about, uh, about how about he sees how this process. He sees and this he was process. very clear, what, clear with, with the response with the of what response we're currently seeing. And he says, I take this very seriously. He very, said, okay. I didn't know uh, that um, the documents were there. He, he didn't know. So just to review, the, in the lead up to the question, the question was, you said several times that the president takes this very seriously, but what's the evidence that he takes this very seriously? And her response was, he's spoken clearly on this. He takes it very seriously. So she's not very good at this, guys. I don't know if anyone's noticed this at the White House. You may want to, like, you got a pitcher who just gave up seven straight home runs. Time to pull them out of the game. That's what you do. Get a reliever in there. Maybe she takes a little vacation. Maybe her and Pete Buttigieg go back together. Maybe they both go on maternity leave for a while. Just throwing that out there. Uh, by the way, on the classified document front, I will uh, remain consistent in my viewpoint here. Um, I don't know if anyone else in the world seems to be able to do that right now on this story. But classified documents have now been found at Mike Pence's Indiana home. And I, I bring this to you again. It just seems like all these guys have some classified documents. If they're doing something with these documents, like selling them to our enemies, I really want to know about it. Other than that, I mean, let's get it corrected. I'm not all that worried about it. I don't think it's the biggest story in the world. There are far more important things going on right now than whether a, a particular ex-president or vice president had a few documents at their home. This includes Trump. It includes Pence. It includes Biden. It includes Obama. It includes Bush. It includes everybody. Like, if they're doing something terrible with these documents, that's a major problem. Other than that, it's just like I've got a hundred other things to worry about. So, look, I want to know: Did if Biden was, you know, selling documents to, or these documents were being used by Hunter in some business dealing? Absolutely, want to know that. Other than that, 
you know, get, get to me when you got something serious here. Um, and the question is now being asked by NPR, uh, is the U.S. government designating too many documents as classified? This is an, now, this is a known issue. People have talked about it for a long time that we overclassify in this country. Sometimes these are like news write-ups. Hey, here's the, here's the, uh, the summary of all the news articles on North Korea today, and it's classified. Like, that's dumb. Obviously, that's just stupid. Some of the stuff is overclassified. It is fascinating how the left finds that argument at the most opportune time. Like they they didn't think of that at all when Donald Trump was was talking about uh, when he was the one in trouble at Mar-a-Lago. But when it became Car-a-Lago, all of a sudden, oh, gosh, we have too many documents that are classified. By the way, the majority of Democrats say Biden should be the 2024 nominee. I know everyone says he's not going to be the guy. But I've been saying since the beginning, the one thing that is in the way of that whole statement is the fact that Biden really wants this gig. He likes it. He wants to be the most powerful guy in the world. He really, uh, you know, has wanted it his entire life. And he was going to keep it in any, if he can, if there's any way for him to possibly do this. And the power of incumbency is real. If you take Biden out of the race, you know who leads? Not Gavin Newsom, Kamala Harris, because everyone knows her. Now, will that last through a primary? Probably not. She'll probably screw it up really badly. But that's just the way that incumbency works. Nancy Pelosi is saying that uh, age, not a positive thing for Biden, as the 80-year-old president ponders launching a re-election campaign. And look, Pelosi is uh, really old as well. She stepped down. Now, she lost, of course, but she also uh, is not, no longer the minority uh, leader uh, in, of, of the House. And partly that's because she's 157 years old as well. And Ted Cruz is going to bring up uh, term limits again in Congress. It's not going to pass. It never does because politicians don't want to limit their own power. But keep bringing it up. Make them veto it. Make them turn it down. Make these people get on record voting for their own power over and over again. I support Cruz on this. I'm glad he's bringing it up. We should amend the Constitution to put in term limits for Congress, just like we have for the president. They should be there as well. Back in a second. By the way, I was mentioning uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, earlier, and just in case you were concerned, she still does suck. Uh, Nancy Pelosi sucks uh, in so many ways. And we still have, we do not have any more of the pens. We've sold out of the pens. If you have one, probably worth like a million dollars by now, especially with inflation. But if you have one of the pens, it's a collector's item. There's no more left right now. But we do have the mugs and the shirts, which are both awesome. This is actually one of my favorite products, this mug, because you can't actually tell until you look close what it says. It says Nancy Pelosi sucks a bunch of times. It looks really classy. You will love it at work. Uh, your friends will love it. Uh, and then also the shirt is fantastic as well. You can all get it at studosmerch.com. Now, studosmerch.com, they got a code. Stu10 is the code. You'll save 10% off all the merch. Everything that's up there, wokeness is weakness. We've got the 62422 line. We've We've got the Andrew Cuomo is awful. Joe Biden's senility now is, of course, a big seller as well. Check it out. StuDoesMerch.com. The code is Stu10. Take a moment, if you would, and subscribe to the podcast. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars when you're writing a review, which we also appreciate. This one comes in. We're talking about our interview with Brad Meltzer, the I Am series. Thanks for the interview with Brad Meltzer. I looked into the series, and I'm getting several of them for my 11-year-old granddaughter. She's a voracious reader and a little entrepreneur. Very good. We've got some good kids' books that are coming out uh, now that actually are teaching kids good principles. You can also get the show on YouTube every single uh, night until we get canceled. Uh, you could subscribe there as well and click the bell to uh, get notifications. 
limitations on when we're doing new. We did uh, a show yesterday where we talked about Nancy Pelosi getting an exorcism uh, of her house. And Sean writes, Nancy is the one who's haunting the house. Probably true. Probably true. Uh, Carl writes, cherry chocolate M&Ms sound good. I thought about you the other day as my my daughter brought me some Reese's cupcakes. I didn't know they made such. They were good. Of course they were from Reese's. Of course they were good. And an algorithmic engagement comment as well. Great show, I guess. Five stars. We do appreciate that. All your algorithmic engagement helps the program. We appreciate it and we will see you.